This is Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast hosted by Maggie Levitt. Welcome to Starbucks Lovers, a Taylor Swift podcast, a podcast that goes through Taylor Swift's entire musical catalog chronologically. We're back for season two, and it seems only fitting that we should still be discussing Taylor Swift's second album and first re-record, Fearless. Today, we will be discussing so many songs because I wanted to do something a little bit different because we have a very special album coming out soon, which will be one of the first albums that we're going to actually be breaking that chronologically keyword in this podcast, and we will actually be talking about Midnight for season three of Starbucks Lovers. So I decided to bump up our finale, make it a supersized final episode of season two and bring back a ton of our favorite Starbucks lovers. So joining me today are Arzu. Hello. Meredith. Hey everyone. Lex. Hi. And Nicole. Hello, hello. Since you're all old friends of the show, I don't feel like I need to do like a big reintroduction for any of you. So let's dive straight into the Taylor Swift news. So since the last time we had an episode of Starbucks Lovers come out, Taylor Swift announced she has a new album coming out in October called Midnight's. And she is just being like a a true agent of chaos. And she's been releasing these really funky, like 1970 vibes TikToks where she's, I don't, I guess it's bingo. I've never played bingo, but I think this is. Yeah, it's like a bingo ball thing. Yeah, the bingo ball thing, which is just like boggling my mind. And (laughs) she's been releasing like the track names. This is the weirdest way she has like ever announced track names. Like, for all of you, how are you feeling about this like new era and the absolute chaos of what she's doing right now? My favorite part thus far is the video in which she's holding the phone upside down when she says it. I was, there's a few that I literally look like, Taylor, you could have done a take two on this. You realize that, right? But let's be real. <laughs> Everything she does is on purpose. I just, I feel, and I'm not trying to like criticize her in this. There's an awkwardness to some of these videos that I'm literally like, Taylor, what are we doing here? Honestly, the first one I saw, I was like, is this a hostage video? Are you literally like, if if I saw my friend make this video, I would be like, are you okay? But I'm really excited for this era. I think some of the song titles that we've gotten thus far seem like they'll be really cool. I like the title of the album. So I'm looking forward. I'm also just thank God we finally get something new from her because it feels like we've been so long now without anything other than a merch collection dropping that I'm just excited for like new music, even if it's not the re-records that we thought we were going to be getting within the last like year. Oh yeah. Cause I've been on my clown shit with this. Every time we try to come up with what's happening next on Starbucks lovers, we have just been consistently wrong, but I will say we do talk a lot about how homegirl is up in the middle of the night. Like all of her songs are like 2 AM midnight. So I do feel like we weren't entirely wrong. We did talk about that quite a lot in season two. Meredith, I feel like you have things to say about this era. You keep being really excited. I have so many things to say about this era. Like all of us, I was just thinking there was going to be a new re-release. So to completely drop her 10th album, which is insane to think about, is was such a surprise. I got a lot of messages that night of, did you see this? Did you see this? And I'm like, oh, What? And like you were mentioned, like Taylor really loves to write in the middle of the night, 2 a.m. She references quite a bit. So I think like for her 10th album, it feels like this is the right like celebration of what's come so far and maybe even celebrating different eras all into one single album. I have no idea what this is going to be. Like, I think it's going to be more of a pop album, but I could be completely wrong because like Midnight's, there's something about like that singer-songwriter feel there. I would love it if she did a 180 and this was an entire country album, but I highly doubt that's the case. But yeah, I'm very excited. I haven't pre-ordered a vinyl yet, which is so unlike me right now. I'm just, I need to know how this album is going to be before I commit to getting another vinyl. I need to make a confession. I bought all four of the CD versions of it. I Did you also, get the clock? 
so I, it was before she announced the clock because I don't have a record player. So I just did the four variations for the CDs. And then I bought the first one that dropped. So that's five. And then I bought another one today because I did the Capital One thing. So I'm just oh going to explain them to people. So I think I'm okay, going to, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with them all. I have no explanation for myself except like, <laughs> I'm a nighttime person like I am up all night doing stuff and so midnights everything about midnights and like the aesthetic just really appealed to me and when she started doing like the really really kitschy 1970s thing like that hooked me even more because like 70s is my go-to radio station like I have a Spotify playlist for it like that's what my serious radio is set to so everything about like that aesthetic that vibe I'm like if she gives me like 1970s music I will be a very happy camper because there's also like a lot of different genres you can play with within that like era of music but like most importantly I need to know if her posting about watching the Batman back in March is the inspiration for vigilante shit because like if she's giving me a Batcat anthem if she's giving that to me it will be a gift personally for me I need to know though have any of the rest of you ordered a vinyl and if so what color because I ordered the jade green one because I got of course you did in. of course I did but my plan is actually to go out and on release day buy the vinyl from like Target or somewhere in the like actual color for the album because obviously I need two copies of this but I'm not willing to commit to like the full clock four of them because Taylor honey I don't have that kind of money <laughs> I got Blood Moon, and I'm going to be completely Mm -hmm. real. It's because it was only one word off from being New Moon. (laughs) And I'm back in my Twilight phase. I'm not joking. That's why I got Blood Moon. I love this. (laughs) You need to put it with, like, a Jacob Black, like, shrine. Because I I I was a Jacob girl, so I support you in all of these ways. I have the Twilight New Moon soundtrack framed. So it's going to go next to that, of course. Excellent love that so much Arzu how are you feeling about the, this new album I think I'm somehow on on clownier shit than the rest of you because I'm aware that there is like the 70s aesthetic and I'm aware of all of that but what you're not on TikTok so you're missing I'm not on TikTok so I'm like you sent me a highlight of somebody like breaking it something down but because midnight to me like conjures my like writing aesthetic I'm like Taylor thank you personally for this gift of ballads I can write to because I have a hard time writing to dance music or like anything fast I'm like great this is all gonna be slow and it's all gonna be like either heartfelt or sultry or whatever I'm like thank you for that there's no indication that's what this album is but that's what I've decided it is oh yeah I am I'm just everything about like what she described this album as felt like an album for writers and I think that was specifically why I was like I need every single copy of this album that exists I just can't let my mom know I'm gonna have to like lie and be like people bought them for me or something because she's gonna be like she already judges me because I own two copies of Lover because I pre-ordered it and then I bought it again when she signed it and then I think I have Folklore signed and then two copies of that and she's like why do you have all these unopened Taylor Swift CDs sitting around and I'm like don't ask questions special also like the lover ones are collectible because it has the old version of me which no longer exists wait what changed on me she cut the she got the spelling is fun i that thought that was that. like a big versus album thing because i just stream it, it vanished. Not there, so i'm like okay it was a music video thing no it just vanished one day it was my favorite part of that song too, same so. it was the Very redeeming fun. feature of that song yeah <laughs> like- I didn't really like that track, but then I was like, this is fun. And then it was gone. And I was like, this is I was like, oh, it's self-aware. And then it suddenly wasn't anymore. But I have the original versions. It's not always gone. But yeah, so that was, I was trying to decide, like, do we want to move on? And do we want to make season three be about her next album? Because this is chronologically. So I'm going to have to redo like the whole intro for this podcast, because I really want to experience getting to look at one of Taylor's brand new albums with all of you and just like going for what our favorite ones are seeing where things like are different or where things are referencing other songs or like oh is this like maybe a song that she had held off from like folklore or evermore that kind of stuff I'm so excited to in real time go through this album that's only really a few weeks away it's crazy to think that we have new music and honestly I thought she was going to drop something 
before we record it today because yesterday was September 28th, which if you're a hardcore Swifty like me knows that is Taylor and Joe's anniversary. And that's why she remembers September 28th. Yeah, that whole thing. But nothing happened. Nothing happened today. So she's keeping us guessing. I don't even think she posted on TikTok yesterday. But that is my segue into Joe Alwyn, who was in the Times 100 section. And it was written by Ryan Reynolds, which I just loved so much, so much. And Ryan Reynolds has just been very present this week. So I did read through that article just to make sure there were no Easter eggs. But there was an Easter egg in Ryan Reynolds' Hugh Jackman is coming back as Wolverine video. Because it is shot in the same house as the All Too Well music video. And we know this, not only because we all have eyes, but a few weeks ago, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Blake Lively posted like a photo spam of her pregnant. And one of the pictures was her and Ryan in his Deadpool outfit, which should have clued us in that something was coming. And it was with the stained glass window, which is like a prominent part of the All Too Well music video. So I do love that Ryan and Blake have gotten in on the Easter eggs. And I do love that there are absolutely hilarious memes after the announcement that Blake and Ryan were having another baby, that she's having another baby just in time for the reputation re-record so that this new baby can stay gorgeous. And I love it. I love everything about that. <laughs> I feel like what we're talking about all too, I should just interject real quick that yeah. I saw something very special earlier this month being September as of the time of recording, which is that I got to see the all two music video on 35 millimeter in Toronto, which was super exciting. And then I got to see the conversation with Taylor Swift and the CEO of TIFF and Sadie Sink was in the room. She did get asked a couple of questions by Taylor, but like asked her if she could corroborate a few things, which was this, it was the coolest experience being in like a small movie theater with Taylor Swift was like the weirdest experience. It was like, oh wow, she, like I know I've seen her in concert and that should have proved to me that she was real, but this is the thing that proved to me that she is a real human being. But it was really great to hear her talk all about like how much she wants to direct a full-length film and how inspired she is by film and how she associates films with each album and some of her influences. And I just also loved hearing her talk about making the all too video, like the fact that if Sadie had said no, she was just going to nix the whole idea, which is crazy, but in a very Taylor Swift way. <laughs> but it was a really cool experience. And I do believe the whole thing, the whole Q&A is up on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it on the Toronto International Film Festival's YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah, it, I really would love to see her direct a film as long as she cultivates her cast and crew very carefully so we can avoid... I have a personal theory that when she does finally make a film, she's going to try to get Adam Driver to be in it because she talks about marriage story nonstop. This and is she why also... I am convinced. I am convinced that track. I've seen this, yep. seen this film yep. before and I didn't like the ending. She was talking about the rise of Skywalker. I know it. Yep. I know that. I know and she about. referenced the TV show Girls in her talk at one point, yeah, I she's think. Friends with because she's friends with Lena. But also, like, that means she's seen Adam's performance on that. Like, I'm convinced. And they asked her in the Q&A, like, if there are people that she'd like to work with in a film. And she basically was like, I can't tell you that because then they'll be ready for me when I come to ask them to be in my movie. And I need <laughs> the element of surprise. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. She basically was like, I need to, like, scare shock them into saying yes. So I can't say it now. But I'm convinced. Controversial opinion. I I feel like Adam Driver is a Swifty. I have no proof of this. There is no evidence. See, okay, here's I what I it. believe. I feel like his wife is a Swifty, and he's like a Swifty, like just by being there. <laughs> Swifty by association. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I also fully believe that Taylor Swift is a Raylo. I have again, yeah. no concrete evidence, but I know it to be true. <laughs> These things, I just know. Same. She she talks about marriage story too much for her not to be a Raylo. Exactly. I feel like Girlie has re read a lot of fanfic. Like I just have. She feeling. never fails to surprise us. Remember when she was like, "I really love the musical Ragtime," and everyone was like, "You what now?" So if she was like, "Yeah, I read Raylo fanfic," I wouldn't be shocked at all. Taylor, if you want to drop that, just like put it on Tumblr, put it on TikTok. Like Taylor, have you read the Love Hypothesis? I need to know. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Taylor should direct the love hypothesis. Stop. Yes, cosine, cosine. Yes. 
I don't. I have not read it. the book, but I will read the book it's if she directs so the movie. That's... You should read it anyways. <laughs> you should read it anyways. I can't it out reads... of principle, but <sighs> one day, one fine, day. fine. Yes, if Taylor Swift directs it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know if what? Taylor directs it, I'm in. What if she heavily endorses it but doesn't direct it? <laughs> what uh... if she writes a song for the film? Dang. If she does that, that could convince me to Okay, okay. There, okay, we okay. there we go. Okay, we're close, we're close. <laughs> I feel like I read also not to completely derail from directing, but if we're talking Taylor Swift and films, not to bring up Twilight New Moon, but that's what I'm known to do. Um, <laughs> I think I read that she was supposed to be in Twilight New Moon and they yeah, rejected yes. her because they didn't want it to cause a ruckus. That's the only Taylor Swift news I have to share is that yeah, she was almost said- in one of my favorite movies. The director said she'd be too distracting in the movie. So imagine turning down Taylor Swift. I oh, hear she's pretty distracting in Amsterdam, but I don't think it's for good reasons. Though I, yeah, this will be a really good director. Anyways, after that beautiful tangent about how Taylor Swift should direct a film of a book that was Raylo fan fiction, let's talk about what we are actually here for, which is talking about the final tracks and the Fearless re-record. These are all vault tracks, and I'm excited to talk about most of them. As we know, Fearless is very country, and I'm not a country girl. And some of these tracks are a little more country than I'm totally cool with. So I'm extremely excited that some of you lovely folks are very into country and are excited to talk about these tracks. So let's dive in. So the song that is the 24th track on Swift's first re-record album is That's When, featuring Keith Urban. Swift wrote the song with War- with the Warren brothers, who are Brad and Brett Warren, all the way back in 2006. Wow, I was going to say 2026, which is actually the future. So she wrote this in 2006. And then it was produced in 2021 by Jack Antonoff when she was adding this to the re-record. This is her second collaboration with Keith Urban. And back in 2014, a demo track of this did leak. And I think a few of us heard this back in like the day when it was on YouTube, and I believe it was on like Tumblr circulating as well. This is definitely a song that everybody already knew, but this is the first time we got to hear it like in full production form in all of its glory and with Keith Urban. And fun fact, Taylor was actually the opening act for Keith Urban on his tour in 2009, which feels like a lifetime ago. That's when clocks in at three minutes and nine seconds. And this is definitely one of the songs that is not my favorite on this album. (laughs) I tried listening to it again. I'm like, I like the principle of it. I like what it's trying to do, but it's just not like a, it's a skip for me. And it's not like one that like resonated with me at all. But I was really excited to learn that this is a song that Nicole really likes. So Nicole, what is it about the song that like stuck with you? And are there any like highlights that really like made you excited about it? Definitely. So this is actually other than Mr. Perfectly Fine, which I feel like is the given answer. This is my favorite one of the new songs on the re-record. I was a huge Keith Urban fan back in the day. Like I was into country music, but a very specific like subset of country music, which was mostly like Keith Urban. (laughs) So if this had happened, like if this had been on Fearless, I would have lost my mind. I like how much this song feels like it fits on Fearless. It feels to me very much like Taylor at the time, even with the way that they recorded it for this album. And I think that's part of what I appreciate. I also really appreciate that I feel like this is a rare song in which like Taylor as narrator fully admits to being the party in the wrong and whatever has occurred. Because I feel like that's a really interesting thing that Taylor does occasionally in her music, which you don't see singer songwriters, particularly female ones do that often. And I really appreciate that part. But I really like the part that's like, I said, I know when you said I did you wrong, made mistakes and put you through all of this. I like this idea of her saying like, you said you were wrong. And I said, I know, but I just, I really appreciate how much this feels like something Taylor would have put out at the time. Because I do think that sometimes when, with the new songs that are added on the way that they're orchestrated, the way that they're produced sounds too much like newer Taylor to like really believe it as a track on that album and this is an example of one that I really do like you could have you honestly could tell me that this was on fearless and we were making up that it was new and I'd be like okay yeah 
I do appreciate that this is one of the songs where she does like admit fault. And I almost wish that it had been on the original album because I think we could have all pointed directly at the song and been like, yes, no, <laughs> she's not just singing about guys making mistakes. Like she's owning to the fact that she was I could have used this in all my arguments. <laughs> exactly. When I heard, I will admit, like the first time I heard this, I was like, Taylor, this should have been on the album. What man at your record label told me you couldn't have this on your album. And that's exactly. why it got held because this definitely, it deviates from the brand that was cultivating mm-hmm. where like the men are all in the wrong. Uh, yep. So I do wonder if that was one of the reasons why this was held from the original Fearless. Yeah. Does anybody else like have a feeling, a reaction, an emotion attached to this track? I don't love, I will admit, I'm not super crazy about a lot of the bonus tracks just because they are super country and I'm not so much a country gal. The one thing that I listen for, I will just listen to the chorus and I will lose my mind at the way they both go, Ryan. I love the Ryan. Just really does it for me. That's all I have to say about that song. I think it's a really good, valid contribution to this conversation, Lex. <laughs> Thank you. Because it is, their enunciation is something else. It is, it's special. Any other feelings about this one before moving on to a, another <laughs> country track? Okay, the next one we are going to be talking about, speaking of Keith Urban, who provides harmonies on this track, is We Were Happy, which was written by Taylor Swift and Liz Rose, of course, for the original album, all the way back in the aughts. This track clocks in at four minutes and four seconds. And I will say there is a specific lyric that I really appreciate it just because it evokes like a certain nostalgia of relationships. And it's the no one could touch the way we laughed in the dark. I don't know why that specific line like really stood out to me, but the rest of it just was very country. Like it's talking about daddy's farm and like showed him very country Taylor, which still always strikes me as just so hilarious for a girl who grew up most of her life in Pennsylvania because like I, I spent a lot of time of my childhood in Pennsylvania and this is like who are you this is the Nashville Taylor this is the trying to fit into the country scene Taylor but it's an interesting song I like a lot of the lyric choices I do think she has a lot of really good just thematic stuff that she's playing with this like walking the streets you've got porch lights it's very in a time and a place which I think is really interesting, the way that she shapes visually the scene that she's trying to explore here. And I know that, Meredith, you have a lot of feelings about this song. I do have a lot of feelings about this song. (laughs) What stands out to you with We Were Happy? Oh, man. Yeah, I am quiet. I do like country. I like country. Taylor, I love those eras of her. We Were Happy. It feels like a very, it's definitely a country song, but I don't know. There's something just very like calming about it too that I enjoy. A little bit more up tempo than White Horse, which is I'm, I love that song so much off of this album. But the bridge at the end really gets me every time I listen to it. Oh, I hate those voices telling me I'm not in love anymore, but they don't give me choices, and that's what these tears are for. Which like that hits hard to just like as you're thinking back on a relationship or even in the midst of like a relationship coming to an end it is so hard to block out the voices of like either trying to convince yourself that you still care about this person or like you can't ignore the writing on the wall that like this isn't going to work out and I just think it speaks to like the power of like the voices in our head. But I just love this song because like it's a great song to just be in your feels over, like especially thinking back on a relationship that has ended and remembering like how happy you were and during the good times, which I mean, can't re- I can't relate to this personally, but the sentiment stands. And I love hearing Keith's voice in the song again as well. He and Taylor, their voices really complement each other well. They definitely do. Like, I will say, despite not really liking country, I do like the way that country tracks tend to have a very specific, like, harmonizing component to it that really lends itself to, like, the story that's being told. Now, I know, Arzu, you also have some feelings about this track as well. Yes. So I also really like country music, even though I live somewhere that Actually, no, we do have a big country scene here. But, I was going to um, Canada, Canada has a pretty big, yeah. There's a huge country festival like, in Ontario, but... Not that I've ever been, but... Heartland Films and 
outside of Toronto, right? Or is that middle of Canada? They film out west. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. I know Canada like does like their westerns. Yeah, no, Heartland has mountains. We don't. Okay. Unfortunately. Wait, is that Saskatchewan? <laughs> maybe? Al- I can't. Alberta, I think? Alberta, maybe. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I know it's set in Alberta, but it could be Vancouver for all I know. See, it was set um, in Virginia when I read those books. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Canada stole it. They're like, it's ours now. But yes, I really like country music. So I really liked this track. And it had a like a back to December, like a proto back to December vibe. Because it's like Nicole was saying about the last song. It is her kind of regretting her part in this relationship ending. The line that really jumped out was you threw your arms around my neck back when I deserved it. So like not only was she wrong, she was like dead wrong. Because even now in retrospect with the heartbreak, she still feels like she still doesn't deserve the person who's responsible for her heartbreak whose heart she broke so it considering how long ago the song was written it is a very thoughtful and mature sentiment for the age like if she had written this on an album now I'd be like yeah sure in your 30s you absolutely would feel that way but at what 19 it's a very mature way to feel at 19 which maybe is part of the reason it didn't end up on the album same reason of the this isn't the image this isn't the vibe yeah it is definitely a much more like mature approach to that kind of relationship and I mean it is interesting to look at these tracks and think about why they weren't included on the first album and I wish that she had the freedom or had the desire to really explain like why I chose this song to go onto this album and why this one was held and like that kind of stuff, because I would love to see more of that look inside the world of curating an album. And I do hope that someday down the line, maybe when she's done with all of her re-records, she'll put out a book. I still believe that the All Too Music video with the book at the end was a clue that like one day she's going to write a book. And I really hope that she digs into that, because I think there's like some interesting stuff that music lovers don't really know about the process of actually putting music out. That's really not an easy segue into... <laughs> the next track but in a way I think I can make it work as a segue because this is actually the last track on the re-records and it is a track that once everybody listened to it I remember everybody was joking because like the last frame of the music video for it it's not a music video but like the lyric video that came out for it says bye bye baby on it and everyone was like Taylor's saying that we're her babies and she's saying bye bye to us and it was like the most precious thing I saw on Twitter but I did think it was interesting with this specific track that a lot of people thought this sounded very much speak now-ish that it was getting more into that vibe and how it would have been really interesting for it to have been the final track on Fearless back in the day because it has like we're entering into a new era vibe to it and I do wonder how much of that is like just hindsight's 2020 and now we know or if there if it would have been that way looking at it contemporary to when it would have been released like would any of us have picked up on this like shifting vibes to it but this is one of the vault tracks that I really like it clocks in at four minutes and two seconds it was written by Taylor of course for Fearless back in 2008 but back then it had a different title And that was the one thing. And it had some different lyrics as well. They really only changed subtly. It's still mostly the same song as it was before and nothing else changed. And it it seems like it's a track that like was realizing that things aren't going to work out the way that you think they're going to work out and like making peace with it, which again, talking about how these tracks do seem to be a little bit different from the image of Fearless. This is another track that does feel much more mature and much more retrospective. And I wonder if, because I'm sure she has tons of vault tracks. Like this is just the few vault tracks she picked to share with us. And I do wonder if she chose these ones that are a little bit more mature because she's older now. And looking at these songs, these are ones that she's proud to re-record and to share with us because they're also a little bit like more in tune with who her audience is now because sure she still has tons of young fans but she has all of us who are like in our 30s or almost in our 30s and have grown up with her and these songs feel like that mature step forward and I just I there's so many lyrics in this song that I really like like the rain didn't soak through my clothes down to my skin there was the track or the line about it wasn't like it wasn't just like a movie what we were just talking about like I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending like 
she uses this idea of like watching movies and seeing things and how you build up this idea of what a relationship's going to look like or even what a breakup's going to look like. But then the reality is not like a movie. And I just really like the way that she's reflecting on this and like the image with like the picture frame and like all of this stuff that I just really liked. And I know Meredith, you also liked some of these same lyrics. Yes, I did. I especially love the line, the picture frame is empty on the dresser, vacant, just like me. Like just such a great visual image of just like the, what she was feeling as she was writing these lyrics. I really like this song. And honestly, like, I do hope one day, like Taylor can break down like, the reasons why songs did not end up on the original album, especially this one, because I feel like this would have been such a great ender to the album. I like the idea that this album started with Fearless and Dance in a Storm in My Best Dress. And it would be very poetic to end the album with this song with the lyric, the rain didn't soak through my clothes and like the line floods in as well. Like it, I just think like it would have told which I think this album is a very cohesive album telling the story but I think as you were saying like in 2009 would I have put on my detective hat thinking with this song this is the beginning of a new era maybe not but it would have signaled that she's in a different place where she ended in fearless and that she's ready for something new in to speak now but I I just think it's just like a good calm song that does offer a lot of like maturity that speaks to her maturity at the time when she wrote this like you were saying Maggie like I think it does say like she feels proud to re-record album or re-record songs that speak to where she was then emotionally but then also like can speak to her audience now and us older being like yep I feel that I may have not felt that in 2009 but I certainly feel that now yeah it is it's just interesting how she curated these and you're talking about the idea of rain I feel like I'm going to skip ahead a little bit from what we had originally planned to talk about these tracks and we're going to skip and talk about you all over me which features Marin Morris which is another one that has these images of rain and I really love this song I think it is with the exception of the one that I know we're all really excited to talk about (laughs) one of the best of the vault tracks and I just I love that it talks about like no amount of freedom gets you clean and like all of this imaging like imagery and like just it's such a good track and it was produced, of course, by Aaron Dressner, features background vocals by Marin Morris, and it clocks in at three minutes and 40 seconds. And I don't know, this one definitely ended up in a lot of playlists for me. Like after this came out, I was like, yep, saving that one. Again, this is another really mature song that does not at all sound like something that would have been on Fearless in 2008. So it is really interesting to me that like we could have had this. And I, it does make me wonder like how much rewriting, how much changing, like what she added in with like new insight into that period in her life. Because it is the kind of thing that's like I lived and I learned had you got burned, held out and held on. Like it is again another one of these songs where like she's looking really inward on a failed relationship and treating it with the kind of maturity that you just don't have when you're 19 and I just I love it Nicole I know this is a track (laughs) that you and I both love so please share your thoughts on this as well before I just read the whole like list of lyrics to all of you it is I think other than the one of these vault tracks I think the most like lyrically complex I was floored by this song it is the song that I literally sat and cried to whenever I heard it for the first time I whenever this album came out was in the midst of coming out of a of a friendship that I felt like I couldn't get away from and the influence of which I felt like I couldn't get away from and I feel like Maggie hates that she knows who I'm talking about yeah But this like summed up exactly how I felt and this idea of no amount of freedom gets you clean and the idea that like you can have this relationship becomes such a part of you that even after you're out of it, you feel like you can't escape from it and it's left this mark on you. The line, the best and worst day of June was the one that I met you, I think is so interesting 
because it is how I feel like you often feel in that sort of early stage of getting over a relationship where you you still feel like this person was one of the best things to ever happen to you, but you also know that it was the worst. And then the other line that I really love is just the, I lived and I learned and found out what it was to turn around and see that we were never really meant to be. And again, that's one of the lines that I feel like is more mature than a lot of fearless is because it is that idea of looking back on this relationship and realizing that it was never the sort of like faded thing that you thought that it was. But I just, I love this song. I think it's such an interesting one. And I also do agree, Maggie, this is one that feels like it could have fit on a later album. I honestly almost feel like this could fit on like folklore. I also feel like this could fit on 1989. Yep. And not just because we're talking about the lyric that's clean, because it instantly made me think of clean, because it does have that same kind of like, when I was drowning, that was when I was finally clean. Like, the same kind of like, much more mature approach to relationships and like, really deep insight. Like, I, it's hard for me to picture a 19-year-old. And I know like, Taylor has been consistently putting out like, insanely astute lyrics her entire career but this one in particular I'm just like you had to tweak it because some of this is just like the kind of maturity and the kind of approach to relationships you just don't get until you're older like it's and it's just so good it's just such a good out like it's such a good track on this album and I'm so glad that we got this on the vault tracks this was one that I was not expecting and just one that like you Nicole just floored me I love it so much and I also like I'm a fan of Maren Morris and I remember when she did that like ridiculous like unpuzzle these clues to see who's on my do you remember that when she the thing that she put on twitter and it was like the words and like backtrack you know what i'm talking about i can't describe this it was such a weird thing and i think it was arzu whose inbox i was in trying to decipher the code for like two hours and by the time i got it done the swifties had already done it like an hour and a half before and i was like i just wasted two hours of my life trying to figure this but you figured it out yourself. I did. I figured it out on my the pride of on it. My own. But I was so excited to see Marin Morris. I will say I was hoping that she would actually like sing and not just do like background vocals. There is a very valid critique of Taylor that a lot of men will get their own lines in her songs when she does duets, whereas female singers are always just background vocals. And so I do hope that eventually she changes and she does more because I love hearing her sing with Marin Morris. I love hearing her sing with the Haim sisters. And just now talking about Clean, I think what Imogene Heap did background vocals for that one, or at least like helped on that. And I can't remember the exact specifics. I just remember being very excited because I was an Imogene Heap girl. And just, I would like to see more of that. But that is neither here nor there. I'm talking about the track of the hour, the track that we've been waiting to talk about. The one, the only... Mr. Perfectly Fine. I think this is the track that everyone was most excited about when we found out about the vault tracks and that we were getting this because they definitely know that people knew this song like existed, but we never knew we'd actually hear it. And of course, while everything you read about this song says, oh, it's like reportedly about Joe Jonas. Oh, it's rumored to be about, we all know it was about Joe Jonas. Let's not fool ourselves. We know without a shadow of a doubt that it is about this man. And we know it even more specifically because of his lovely wife who shared it to her Twitter because I love Sophie Turner so much. Sophie Turner is, a, is queen of the North and she is a queen of the Swifties for hosting it and just confirming what we all already knew. Like we have and then to, when like, Taylor reposted it and was like bending the knee for the Queen of the North, I was like, yes. Honestly, like I am hoping one day we'll get like genuinely inspired by a Game of Thrones song, like maybe Midnight's. But again, neither here nor there. Give me a Sansa Stark, just all about her song. I know Reputation has some Sansa vibes and Sophie Turner is always really excited to point that out. But this is about Joe Jonas. It clocks in at four minutes and 38 seconds because Taylor was not holding anything back. And I love the song. Like I couldn't, I was going through, cause I listened to the song all the time. And I was like trying to figure out like a specific lyrics that I love. It's impossible. I love this whole song, but I do love Hello, Mr. Casually Cruel 
because I feel like we've all had, whether we dated them, had a crush on them, was just friends with them. We all have that one guy in our life who is cool, but not in the kind of way that you can like critique him for it or be mad about it because it's so casual. It's that brisk, brusque, like brushing you off or like saying something belittling without really belittling you or like it just it's a line that I feel like a lot of people can relate to so I want to know who wants to go first and talking about their reactions to hearing Mr. Perfectly Fine Arzu do you want to be the one okay I worry (laughs) often worry that everybody else is so insightful I'm like it was great but (laughs) you heard me I'm like I can't pick a lyric that's the thing though the (laughs) lyrics in this one it's like I don't want to say it's like poetry that's corny it is but it like it is I don't know you can't pick a single one because it is sharp and like we've been talking about how these other tracks sound a little more mature than you would have been at 19 this is exactly what a 19 year old would write about somebody who broke up with her in 27 this is how I know that she has to have like edit some of the others a little bit because this one is too this is 19 year old and just so mad it is so precise that i am shocked it doesn't come in at four minutes and 27 seconds you know what i mean like (laughs) for just for that alone but somebody probably told her no you can't do that you can't be that like i just remember being very obsessed with this breakup right after it happened so having an insight into where she was at that moment I love that she like gave it to us eventually because she could have just kept it forever. And we would have mm-hmm. still talked about that breakup and what's this song like. But I think the, yeah, but I think like the standout line for me that makes me laugh is how's your heart after breaking mine? Because it's just, it's a gut punch of a lyric. Because you can't come back from that. No. You know what I mean? No, you can't. Yeah. So that's my, uh, it's been... I don't know how long, 13 years, 14 years, and I'm still obsessed with this breakup word vomit. Honestly, like, I do truly appreciate that Joe Jonas and Tom Hiddleston, two men who I've personally been obsessed with in my life, have contributed to two of the best Taylor Swift songs. Like, I I love that for them. Love that. And also, like, I do really appreciate, like, how healthy the Joe Jonas Taylor Swift breakup now is because like we all know now I said their baby's present is about them and I love that I love that those fences have been mended and I love that she can release a song like this and his wife's just like yep I'm married this is perfectly fine and it's just it's fun and I love this era for that specific thing because we do get to have these like fun interactions with the song that make it even more fun to listen to because you know that like he's cool with it they've moved on meredith how are you feeling about this track oh my gosh this song it really does bum me out that we didn't get this when fearless came out because this would have been such a hit off of this album this would be a song that i would drive around my hometown blaring like singing at the top of my lungs me and my friend did that a few months ago or like within weeks when this came out because she was dealing with the fallout from like this relationship not happening and like it's just the perfect song to to drive down the highway and just have this blaring there's so many great lines like I am not great with words so like my like it's all poetry and like I kneel at the throne of Taylor Swift here like I've been picking up my heart he's been picking up her what a line. What a gut punch. I just love Sashay Away, obviously reference to a RuPaul, but it's just like such a fun line to have in the middle of this bridge that's been like building and heading towards the end of the song. And it's just fun. But this, the line that gets me the most though is the, because I was miss here to stay and now I miss going to be all right someday. And I think that's such a good place to end knowing like, hey, this didn't work out, but one day I know I will be okay. I'm not okay today. And that's totally fine. And I need somebody to make a parody of this song instead of Mr. Perfectly Fine. I need Mr. Aggressively Fine because I feel like I use that phrase so often. So if someone's good with that, please make it. That one's about Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Yes, there we go. There we go. 
But he already has the 10 minute version of his song. Which is probably I... longer than he lasts. Oh, wait, who said that? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> as we were saying. Nope. What can I say after that? I feel like now we can just say that's rough. That's the podcast. My <laughs> job, we're done. But yes, this I love this track so much. I think this was the one when we were talking about doing season two of this podcast, I was like the most excited to get to because it's just such fun. And it's those layers, I think, for me that make it even more fun because there is something fun about knowing that a diss track has been like, I don't want to say approved, but like acknowledged and like, I guess approved by the person who it's about because like joe jonas is not hurt by this he like he they're all happy they've all moved on she found a new joe he's given <laughs> this as his name at starbucks like oh yeah oh yeah he was a good sport about it he was such a good sport about it so different from the other day and also like she ever wrote a song about calvin harris that man would not shut up on twitter about it that's why she forgot he existed because she knew that man's ego would not be able to handle it this man he would play it at a concert and like cover it that's the kind of person calvin harris is so like he doesn't get any good diss tracks except i forgot you existed is also one of my favorite songs because i have I my want own a calvin album. harris diss track so bad i know I do i've too. never written a song before in my life but i taylor if you're listening i would be thrilled <laughs> to an honored to co-write it with you you would do 97 percent of the work i would <laughs> just insert my own thoughts i'm just saying reputation vault tracks i need the diss track for tom hiddleston because i know there's something worse than getaway car i know it's hey, there if you're listening I know, it's, something it's an I want entire <laughs> it's an entire song just like you are old um, because that feels like every drop in a song about joe that she like mentions tom it's just like he was old um, there's you're gotta be a whole wrong. song somewhere I'm just saying. Anyways, don't you want to talk about the final song on the final episode of season two, Starbucks Lovers? Clocking in at three minutes and 28 seconds is Don't You, another one of Taylor's vault songs. In this song, Taylor seems to be singing about a relationship that has ended and how she doesn't want to make it work as friends because she still loves them and doesn't want to let go and go through those motions of missing them. I Again, this is one of those tracks, extremely mature, a very interesting look at relationships that again, I just can't picture a 19 year old singing. Again, why I think it probably was not in Fearless because it just doesn't really fit. And I do really like the song. This isn't like on my playlist or anything like this, but this is definitely a song that I have listened to when re-listening to this album. I really like two specific lyrics, which is, don't you smile at me and ask me how I've been. That's possibly the worst thing ever and like the fallout of a relationship to have like run into that person or to see them at a social gathering and them to be like, how have you been? Because how do you answer that question? I've been missing you? No. I've been great. Why? They can tell you're lying. Like, it's such a good line. And then the don't say you've missed me if you don't want me again. Like, that's another thing. Like, like I've, again, never really dated. But, like, I've definitely had guys in my life who, like, we were everything like we were like almost like a couple, but not ever actually doing anything that a couple does, that kind of thing. And to have them say they missed you and know that they never actually wanted you in that way. It just it's a salt in the wound. And I know when I listened to this was like a song where I was like, that's just not fair, Taylor. How dare you put words to those feelings I have about those like specific kind of moments and interactions you have with people. Yeah, this one just was one of one of the ones that like made my heart hurt a little. It was not fair. And I know if I'd had this song in 2008 I might be a different person because I would have listened to this like all the time I probably would have made it like moody like Facebook statuses put it on MySpace the AIM my, status my yep. AIM away messenger oh yep. yeah don't say you miss me if you don't want me again with like the little <laughs> like the fancy little like emoji things that, the pre-emojis the little like stars yeah that just brought me back oh my gosh <laughs> oh yeah the Angel kind where somebody like, asks about it and you're like i don't want to talk about it yes and yes. you're like it's just a song lyric 
<laughs> and you're not actually away. You're sitting there waiting for somebody to message you while you're quote unquote away. And then it's not the right person. Like never the right person. Wanted to ask. So you're like, oh. Yeah. It's like always like some random person you like befriended in an AOL chat room or something. You're like, stop, <laughs> don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm trying to get this guy to respond to me. He doesn't know I exist. I'm like, this I is him. Gatsby's green light, okay? <laughs> Look. Yes. Which I feel like now, Nicole, how do you feel about the song? You feel it seems like you have some feelings about this track. Do I have some feelings? Do you have feelings? Um, yeah, I have a lot of feelings about this track. Another one that I do think like musically sounds very fearless to me, which I appreciate but I love the concept of this song like the entire idea of it and this idea of whenever you have to keep interacting with someone and it is interrupting your healing but you also are trying to like be the bigger person and not just actually say all of this to them I've definitely been in that situation before where I have broken things off with someone and then had to keep interacting with them and that is truly one of the hardest things to not let it get in the way of your healing the line that like truly strikes me down every time is that I heard she's nothing like me I'm sure she'll make you happy because that is says so much about the sort of like narrative behind this song and this idea that of seeing someone that you were with who's with someone no- new and seeing that like feeling that they are everything that is right for that person that you weren't I feel like it's such a hard feeling. And then the other one is sometimes I really wish that I could hate you. I've tried, but that's just something I can't do because I feel like that's a stage in the healing process (laughs) typically before you get to the hatred or after the hatred, it either comes on one side of it and it is the worst stage to be in. And I think it's somewhere we've all been, but this song just really, it really hits. And I think it also is unique. I don't think Taylor has another song that sort of talks about this concept which I always really like whenever she manages to write a song that it is not just your classic breakup song definitely and Lex you have some similar feelings I feel like about this track yeah this is not only my favorite of the vault tracks like it became my favorite fearless song I'll be so bold to say and the thing is I've joked with Nicole before that If Mr. Perfectly Fine had come out on the original album, I would have sang it at my high school talent show and embarrassed myself. But I'm actually going to redact that or retract that and say I would have sang this song and been really dramatic about it, probably added a few riffs and embarrassed myself even more. There's just something I love how it feels a bit more like the new Taylor. Like I can actually see this one on folklore or even like 1989 it's actually think i see it more in 1989 it's got that very extend feeling and i love the bridge she's known for her bridges obviously and this one i think the so i walk out of here tonight try to go on with my life and then i love 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 in the chorus when she says don't you smile at me don't you ask me how i've been but then she flips it at the end and says you don't know how much i love you still so why don't you just so that yeah i remember when the full Fearless Taylor's version came out. Admittedly, just because I'm not a country gal, I was going through the Vault tracks. It was like, mm, not working for me, not working for me. And then the second this one started, I was like, oh, this is going to be a problem. And it ended up being in my top 20 most played of 2021. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I love this one. Excellent. I love to hear that. I love how we all felt the same but at different length different extremes for each of these tracks like how each of these tracks feel like they were specifically attuned to one of us i like that a lot so as we wind down the final episode of season two final thoughts on fearless the re-record the taylor's version meredith how are you feeling about this re-record i think it's a great re-record as I've said in the past, like, I really love Fearless, and for the longest time, this was my favorite Taylor Swift album, so the fact that this was her first re-release meant something really special to me personally, like, it got, it allowed me to return back to, like, this, like, capsule of time that I loved so dearly from her, and, like, this is the eras of Taylor that, like, I have been afraid of like what would happen when she goes back. Like, will it sound the same? Will it sound different? And while some tracks, like I do feel like there's some variation here and there, the stuff that we got out of the vault and just like 
overall, like you can tell that Taylor still has a lot of love for this period of time. And so that makes me love this re-record more or make me love it as equally as I did back then. I don't think it's like too much of, it's not so much of an improvement of what had come out before, but I'm so glad we have this like full, like director's cut of Fearless. It definitely does feel like a director's cut. That's a really good way to explain these vault tracks and their addition to this track. Nicole, final thoughts? I think that, not to like talk too much about Red Taylor's version, but I think that listening to Fearless Taylor's version after having the new Red, it's really interesting because Fearless, for the most part, really does feel like just a straight up re-recorded this is what fearless was the first time around which on one hand i really appreciate because it really does feel like okay great now i can listen to the album that i have known and loved for many years because fearless is very special to me because it really is the first couple of years of high school for me but and it sounds like it did whereas i really do appreciate that on red it felt like she actually started to change up some of the orchestrations of things and the production on things and there are parts of Red that I like a lot better now because of that. And I'm really curious to see as she goes forward with the rest of the re-records, if she's going to take more of the fearless approach or the Red approach and what we're going to get from that. But honestly, like buying all of the new copies of Fearless and everything would have been worth it simply for Mr. Perfectly Fine. And I'm really happy that we did get this look into, I think also with some of these vault songs, where she was at both like as a songwriter and mentally in a way that we didn't get on the original album like I I think in many ways Mr. Perfectly Fine works better now knowing that like they're on fine terms (laughs) because at the time I would have been ready to like torch Joe Jonas's house (laughs) that man would not have survived no it would have been like in Beauty and the Beast like I would have been like leading a mob (laughs) but I'm really happy that we can get these things now and have the like retrospective on the relationships definitely lex how are you feeling about this you and i we both don't really like country that much so like what was it like to revisit fearless in this extremely country album i had a lot of sentimental attachment to particularly the singles of this one like you belong with me love story like those all like nicole was saying i very much associate with early high school years which the first half of high school was significantly better for me than the latter half so it reminds me of like the happier moments in my teenage years. It's very nostalgic. I do think it was very interesting because again, what Nicole was saying with this one, it was the first. So when she first put this out, I was like, oh, she's doing a carbon copy of the original. Like, I think I read that Big Machine's legal team like ran it through a computer to make sure that it was in fact new and not just re copy paste of the original recordings and with red i feel like she gave us more of like the full album of what she had wanted and so part of me wonders if like she was just trying to set a tone for the re-recorded albums of like this is just what you're going to expect or if she really thought that the way these were done were the way she had specifically wanted stylistically this album's like lower for me obviously because again not a huge country person the Volt tracks, I like them, but besides Don't You, I'm not too crazy about any of them. But I did have a very good time revisiting this because, like, there's just this sense of nostalgia and innocence to this album that I really enjoy. Yeah, Fearless is a hard one for me to re listen to because I do associate it so much with high school and like those very specific, like, Hey Steven, I love that album so much. That was the first one I listened to when the Taylor's version released because I just like I had to get to it I had to hear how it sounded with like 30 year old Taylor singing it and it still got me the way that it did and like it brought me straight back and like that was one of the songs that I was like so excited about getting to talk about and like revisit because I think that was the Taylor Swift song that was like the first one I pinned to a specific person and I have like such vivid memories and it does make it hard to revisit these tracks for like that specific reason because I remember feeling all of those teenage teenage angst and emotions and I think that's why I liked some of the vault tracks a little bit more they were new they also felt older and like a little bit more like all of us looking back on our youth and having different feelings about the world did not end because that guy didn't like us that kind of retrospective that I don't think we're going to have to the same degree with the next 
set of re-releases because she's older and those relationships are a little bit more contemporary now. A lot of those relationships are when she's in her 20s and she's getting older and like it's just Fearless is such a different time capsule to really revisit and it's so interesting. And Arzu, I know I have not asked you yet how I know I was giving you time to formulate. All I'm thinking is like, I'm older than the rest of you. So you are. you're all like high school and I'm like early university. But <laughs> that said, still a teenager. So it yeah. just. And much closer to Taylor's age when I think we're, were released. Her birthday's in December. So we're less than yeah. a year apart. Yeah. Taylor and I, but I think for me, it, like Nicole said, the instrumentation, the arrangement didn't change a ton. But what I like so much about this re-record is her feeling changed. It's not as raw. It's not as angry. It's not as like in your face in this, I'm 19 and I'm writing this diss track about you. And what are you going to do about it? It's very, I'm in my thirties. I am reflecting on this period in my life through the same words I used back then. So even like with the exact same lyrics and almost identical arrangements, it sounds a lot more thoughtful than the original did, which I really appreciate about it. Like listening to it now, even though it's the same song, I find I relate to Taylor's version more than I do to the original version of Fearless. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a fun album to look back at. And it's been really fun with all of you to talk about these tracks. And I'm so excited for all of you to come back to talk about Midnight's. But before we finally wrap up, I don't know how many of us have seen this. I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory, but like mystery, it's a mystery of who is Nice Boy Ed? This is what you sent me was a conspiracy breakdown of this. Yes. Who is Nice Boy Ed? For those who may not know about Nice Boy Ed, a few weeks ago, right as Midnight was being announced, Taylor posted this TikTok with a track attached to it. Written by somebody called Nice Boy Ed, which is, it's a fantastic song. I already have it like on three Spotify playlists, like instantly inspired me to write a fanfic. I love it. It's very good. But nobody knows who Nice Boy Ed is. There are some very hardcore theories out there. There's three main ones that I think could be one of the options. So it could be Ed, who was one of Joe Alwyn's childhood friends, because Joe also shared the track like right after it right after Taylor did on TikTok. And he does follow somebody named Ed whose account is private. Apparently this person is a musician. Like some people did some sleuthing and apparently he's a musician, but there is no concrete information about who this nice boy Ed is. Like people have tried to pull up the information about like this artist, brand new artist, first track, no information. Very confusing. Some people think that it could be Joe Alren. We know that he is musically inclined. He can carry a tune. It is a British person. There's very specific phrasing in the way that they say lyrics in the song that sounds like a a British person. So people think, could it be Joe? He promoted it. Taylor promoted it. Nobody actually said anything about who this nice boy Ed is. Then there was like another theory that this was like, like Ed Strand. And I don't believe that one. That's a theory that I'm not into because like, why would he name himself nice boy Ed if he's trying to pull a Jack Leopards? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then there is like another theory, which again is like crazy. And I don't really believe that it's like Taylor singing, but like pitched down. And like, this is secretly a Midnight's track. That's a lot of effort. If Taylor did that, like kudos to her. That's weird. Again, she's done weird things before, like Jack Leopards. And I can't remember what her other pseudonym she used for a track. And then like, we all know William Bowery is a thing. And like, then I was like, what if it is Joe and they can't use William Bowery again? Cause we all figured William Bowery out. So they came up with nice boy, Ed. And I don't think, I think it's the Ed kid. I think it's this friend of Joe's. But again, I don't know why they wouldn't say like, this is a friend of ours. Or like nobody said anything. They just shared the song and then midnight was happening. And it was like, there was a lot. And so this is, and I feel like now that she's been like doing her weird bingo at midnight everybody's just forgotten about nice boy ed and there's no theories at least i'm not seeing the tiktoks have any of you seen the nice boy ed thing is this keeping you up at night this is keeping me up at 2 a.m this is the first time ever hearing of this so this is brand new information this is breaking news but if i had to throw in my hat to the theory right now i do think it if of those options 
It sounds like it could be Joe Alwyn's friend, Ed. Like, I feel like that's a solid theory there. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was Joe Alwyn himself because William Bowery is, we all know. So like he could just have another pseudonym, but this is wild stuff. Like throwing that song on as you're announcing Midnight's like that's wild, but Taylor is mind. It's just like far exceeds our own sometimes. So it's definitely that that's suspicious. That's yeah. I've seen a couple of TikToks about it. And my personal thought is, I think, like you were saying, Meredith, I think it's Joe's friend, Ed. But my question is, maybe if why they're being so cagey about like sharing it, but not really like explaining anything, is if he has collaborated on track on Midnight's. And that's why they're introducing this idea, but not like fully going in on it, even if it's in a backup vocals kind of way or something. Because I I feel like... I was just saying, and I should, for those who are unaware of the Nice Boy Ed thing, the album image is a mm-hmm. blonde-haired white boy sitting on a beach. Either yeah. Joe's friends with lots of blondes, just like Taylor is. And then there was also, like, people thought it could be Austin Swift, which I also, I'm like, it's a British person, and, like, Austin's not been yeah. living in London. Like, Taylor has a little yeah. bit of a thing that she's starting to do because she's been living in London so much. But it has to be somebody who's British. It has to be a British person. I want it to be Joe because I think that's more interesting. I want the chaos. Yeah. Like if it's just his friend, I'm like, that's a nice thing you're doing, supporting your friend. But if it's like a pen name or like a pseudonym and he's quietly releasing this track and I saw, I think part of the TikTok you sent me was that this is a cover of a Midnight song and that's how they're teasing it. And if there's all of these layers to it, that's just personally more interesting. Yeah. And it's a really good song. It could also be a duo, like Joe and his friend. One on instrument and one is one doing vocals. That's true. Got one it. is Ed and is Joe it, is the nice boy. Is Ed singing and Joe wrote it? Question mark? I don't know. Yeah. There's so much. I just, I, it's fishy, okay? It's really fishy. <laughs> It, it put a lot of, conf- it was like she released it and then like there was all this midnight stuff and it just obscured it and people stopped talking about it. But I have not. I'm right where it left me. I have not forgotten it. That was good. Thank you. Thank That's you. Thank good. you. Okay. With that final thought, the next time we return for an episode of Starbucks Lovers, we will have put into our ears midnight. We will have heard it. We will have new music. We will probably be crying. We will be having a lot of emotions. And I cannot wait to break down that album in real time. So thank you all for joining us once again for Starbucks Lovers. You can find the Starbucks Lovers on the Geeky Waffle. You can follow me over at Maggie of the Town and the Taylor Swift Pod, the Twitter account that I barely use because I'm afraid us with these i sometimes i have thoughts and i think no they might like i don't know take it wrong i still hold on to hiddle swift and i'm constantly afraid that someone would be mad that i still care so much about hiddle swift but where can everybody find you arzu best place to find me is twitter i'm at arzu amin everything i do is up in my bio i also write host at the geeky waffle and write at colliders like i said it's all my bio and yeah that's me excellent nicole you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nicole Ackman 16. And similarly, Twitter is the best place to find links to all the different things that I podcast and write about. Meredith. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Meredith Loftus and find me just rambling about things that I enjoy. I also write for Collider as well. So you can find more of my ramblings on there. And finally, Lex. You can find me on Twitter at AlexisWilly, W-I-L-I underscore. I've been starting to dip my toes in the film review world. So I've been writing some reviews and podcasting for Oscar Central. I've been known to make a few chaotic rogue appearances on other friends' podcasts. And uh, follow me on Twitter for all my thoughts on Twilight New Moon. Thank you. Until we meet at midnight, have a good rest of October.